time for the sermon. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I think we lost half our congregation just now. Well, this morning we do celebrate the Epiphany of our Lord. And while the season of Epiphany has to do with the identification of Jesus as the Son of God and the promised Savior, we most often associate this day with the coming of the wise men, or sometimes they're called the Magi, M-A-G-I. These people who came to the east, from the east and who brought certain special gifts but above all of these gifts was their homage, their love and affection and adoration of Jesus. While the actual date of the visitation is lost to history, the Christian Church annually observes it on this day, the 6th of January. And so today we too reflect upon these wise men who came so far to see this newborn King of Kings. The wonderful story of the wise men is really one of the most favored of Christian people everywhere. It's colorful, it's rich, it's deep in meaning, and with the, the idea of frankincense and myrrh, even get the, the olfactory or smelling sense involved in it. We love to see those wise men's appearance at the stable in Bethlehem, although it implies the the gospel does seem to suggest that he's in a real room now by the time the wise men showed up. He got out of the stable somehow. But in any case, we still have the, the creche and the, the image of the stable and the livestock, and you can see these, these nativity scenes all over the place. And the wise men there, we've even given them names, Casper, Melchior, and Balthazar which isn't in the Bible either, but it's nice to have important people be given names. And it's also exotic, really adding icing to the cake, so that we feel a certain delight in outwitting the king, the evil king Herod, you know, the one who didn't really want to come and worship Jesus like he told those wise men. He wanted to go and kill him because he thought, if this guy is really, if this baby's going to be the king, he's going to take my job away from me and I'll be out on the streets and my descendants after me. So I want to get him out of the way and we'll keep our jobs. Well, he was outwitted in a dream, we're told. And the wise men left for their homes by a different route and never did tell Herod it was left to the writer of Matthew to record this timeless event of sacred history. And why, we might ask ourselves, did he do so? Why, when so much we might presume has been lost to history that was never written down, or if it was written down, as we can't find it anymore, many of the stories of Jesus' life, why did this manage to survive? And I think... The writer of Matthew really wanted us to understand this. Those wise men, no matter how rich they might have been or educated they might have been, still they were outsiders. They were seekers. They were latecomers and even visitors. They weren't Jews. They weren't from Judea or Israel. They came from someplace afar. 
and in a sense they really are still with us today. Now let me explain. First, they are outsiders. They didn't belong in Judea or Bethlehem. They came from some other land, probably some land with different, a different culture, different traditions, different dress, maybe even different language. They were not the insiders. Tradition has even made one of them black, but according to Matthew, they brought their own unique gifts and they were welcomed by the Holy Family, which was Mary and Joseph and the infant Jesus. Moreover, we may infer that they were welcomed and accepted by God himself, for God knew that these people came out of the goodness of their heart from such a long distance to give honor to his incarnate son, Jesus. In our world today, there is a tragic human attitude regarding those who are seen as insiders or outsiders. I still recall with regret a time in my Army basic training. One of the recruits in my platoon was a continual annoyance. I still remember his name. And he had a cocky attitude intended to be overly lazy, and at times our whole platoon was punished with extra push-ups because... This guy misbehaved, or because of his attitude in general. Clearly, even our drill sergeant did not like him, and he finally assigned Escalante to the most horrible detail of all, which was cleaning out the grease trap behind the mess hall. You had to get in up to your, well, your head was sticking out of the pit, but the rest of you was below ground, and you were shoveling awful, nasty, smelly stuff. He was assigned this duty on a Saturday morning when most of us had some, some of our cherished time off to read or write letters home or just relax a bit listening to music. I don't really recall if Escalante's attitude or behavior changed after that Saturday morning work detail but I still feel a sense of regret. It didn't even occur to me at the time, I think, I hope. But now, I, looking back, I wish I had volunteered to join him. He must have known how disliked he was and how people avoided him whenever possible. But if I had only had the sense and compassion of heart to volunteer to stand beside him, might have given him something that he desperately needed at the time. But sadly, on that Saturday morning, I was just like everybody else who felt satisfaction in, getting, in his getting the ugly job that he so deserved. I probably would have denied it then, but I probably was guilty of prejudice. Not racial prejudice, but, but nevertheless prejudice against someone that I just didn't like. He was, to me and to most of us, an outsider. He may even have been from outside the United States, per se. He could have been from one of the Spanish-speaking territories. doesn't really matter. The fact is, he was also a beloved child of God. And I think it took me much too long to realize that. And it was by then far too late to do anything about it for him. An outsider. Hmm. Secondly, the wise men were not only outsiders, they were seekers. They had traveled across a, a broad desert hoping to find that promised Messiah. 
but they really didn't know until they got there if it was all true. They hoped it was, and their conviction was strong enough to lead them to get in that caravan and make that long trek. But the bottom line was they wouldn't know if it was true until it happened, kind of like like so many people that felt that the world was coming to an end fairly recently. You know, the Mayan calendar. We couldn't know if it was true unless it, it really happened. Those wise men couldn't know if Jesus was really true until they could see him face to face. And I'm convinced there were times when they really wondered if they weren't on a futile journey. Following a star, for heaven's sakes, how accurate could that be? I mean... That star could be leading them any of a thousand miles apart destinations. Over the years, I've spoken with a lot of people who have had serious doubts about God. The question lingers, how can I believe in a God who allows babies to be born with AIDS? Or how can I prove God's existence in a world that shows so little of God himself? Why is there such hatred and crime and intentional violence in this world if there is a loving, compassionate God? Why have so many of my prayers gone unanswered? People wonder. So we're, here we have the Magi, and we also, looking at the Bible, have that thief on the cross. There were two of them, you know. One of them chose to believe, while the other didn't. And then there was that marvelous author C.S. Lewis. Many of you have read some of his works, Narnia Chronicles perhaps, but he was not always a believer. In fact, he was a strong doubter. And so many others who came to discover the truth of the gospel and the power of God's love much later on in their life. Some people do come by it late, but powerfully just the same. And then finally there are the visitors, the ones who happen to drop in, perhaps unexpectedly, and who for a brief time share a space and place in time. As a pastor, I never cease to get excited when new faces appear in the congregation on a Sunday morning. And when talking with the visitors after worship, it's still a thrilling thing when they express, express their pleasure at the experience that they've had among us and even drop hints about possibly wanting to join this family of faith. Sometimes it happens. But sometimes, despite the smiles and expressions of satisfaction and promises that, yep, we'll see you next Sunday, you can count on it, they are never seen again. It's still a mystery for me when this occurs, but it is sort of the nature of the beast. Visitors many times are a brief and passing blessing. Still, the mark of their presence can last for a very long time, just like the visitors to Bethlehem of so long ago. All of these, and we too, have joined the Magi the wise men at Epiphany to discover the manifestation of God's eternal and redeeming love. This is what Matthew had so in mind so long ago, I think. Not Caspar or Melchior or Balthazar. 
stare at the outsiders, the seekers, the latecomers, or merely visitors. And Matthew kind of knew that all along, that once they had left on their journey home, that would be the last we'd ever hear of them again. Matthew also knew that the wise men offered quirky gifts, you know. I mean, really, when you think about it, the gold was practical, but frankincense, this was a lay couple and their baby. Why would he give them the smelly things for a worship service in the temple? Or why would he give a baby, a newborn baby, why would one of them give him something for embalming a dead body? They're quirky gifts when you think about it. And yet, those gifts were accepted. They were accepted perhaps not for their practical value, but for the value of gifts coming from the heart. The givers have been embraced. Their journey is complete. They saw the Savior. They saw Him face to face, and they knew it was, after all, completely true. This would be the Divine One who would change the world forever. And they had done their best, and their life's purpose, their destiny, had been fulfilled. They had found what they were looking for. Perhaps you, too, are on a quest, a journey to find out the truth of it all. Perhaps you're trying to find the meaning for your life. Perhaps you're just trying to look at the Savior face to face and say, Jesus, I knew it was you all along. It had to be you, and you are. So who are we? Outsiders, insiders, seekers, latecomers, visitors? It doesn't matter. Because when we come to Christ, we are coming home. Even here, in this place, at this time. Amen.